You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to practice. As part of our church going forward series, I'd like to speak on the shoes this morning. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, and I've taken all of it from 14 as well. Stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There's nothing like a good pair of shoes. Ask my wife, she's got loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> there was a saying that all roads lead to Rome. It was a byword and a proverb in the days of Paul. From Rome, Paul could reach the world, for if all roads led to Rome, just as surely all roads led from Rome. Time and again, Paul would write Rome as top of his priority. I must see Rome. I must see Rome. Alexander White pictures Paul setting out for Arabia right after his baptism. Instead of returning to Jerusalem, he departed for Arabia like a pilgrim and only with his staff taking back his parchments and a few of life's basics. He took with him Moses and the prophets of the Psalms and his knapsack and returned to Damascus with the Romans, the Ephesians and the Colossians in his mouth and burning in his heart. Paul being ultimately chained under house arrest by a Roman guard would have plenty of time to meditate and perhaps ask questions on the whole armour of his personal soldier or guard. The soldier's shoes would capture his gaze, open sandal-like boots that had thick soles held together with hobnails. It's hard to picture hobnail sandals. I used to think of sandals for the beach on a hot summer's day. They could also include greaves which covered the shins and the calves, long before footballers, footballers got shin guards. They were to protect the soldier from sharp sticks and gall traps which were laid to obstruct the marching army, rendering them unable to take the territory. My, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? The enemy of our soul would seek to try and impede our progress on our pilgrim way. Lonnie Donegan, and many of you won't remember Lonnie Donegan, but from the 60s he came to fame as the King of Skiffle. He wrote a humorous song called My Old Man's a Dustman. Brilliant. He said, My old man's a dustman, he wears a dustman's hat, he wears cord blimey trousers, and he lives in a council flat. He looks a proper nana in his great big hobnail boots. He's got such a job to cool him up that he calls him Daisy Boots. In my youth, there was a comic um, called The Tiger. And in The Tiger, there was a character called Billy Dean. He was a 12-year-old boy. 
Between 1961 and 63, he was always bad at football. He was always last to be picked for the team. Now I remember Pastor Tom speaking about this some time ago. When the team was picked at school, you know how they picked the six feet six guy first. Then when it gets to the guy that's only five feet four, he's second last or not even last. So Billy Dane was a bit like that. Until he found an old pair of football boots up in his granny's attic. They formerly belonged to Deadshot King, a 1920s striker. When Billy wore these boots, he could score with shots that nearly ripped the gold net. Stories would typically mean his granny throws the old boots out, but Billy finds them at the local dumper for us the cow, <laughs> and rushes back just in time to score the winning goal at the Grand Cup Final. The stuff of dreams. I'd like to suggest that the Roman shoes represent, first of all, identity. See, the Roman soldier was a representative of the Roman army. You would always think twice about stepping on his toes. This particular piece of equipment was supplied to help him go the distance and never give up. This kit would suggest that he, if, if he was fit for whatever task was sent before him and spoke very much of preparation. Now, I've decided I wouldn't be undone by Tom and Andrew, as they had some props earlier on at the beginning of this <laughs> So you'll see I've got a Bible made this morning. No, it's no everyone's shoes. <laughs> it's too small. <laughs> I should have rehearsed this. Now, I've got along the helmet of salvation as well. So, first of all, in my bag here, I've got a very useful pair of wellies. <laughs> now, these are special wellies. They've got actually steel toe caps in them. So, they can take a bit of pressure. I've also got... A pair of safety boots. Now these boots are illegal, so don't tell them why the policeman's not here this morning. See the, see the steel toe caps external? That's illegal nowadays. Yeah, I've got to be concealed. What else have I got here? Oh. You know how I like to walk? Well, if you've already watched, there's not much snow or ice around at the moment. That Time. But you see, I've got this sneaky attachment that goes on the bottom. It's got spikes in it, a bit like the Roman soldiers' uh, boots. And they can walk over ice and snow with consummate ease. At least I've never tried them yet. <laughs> the snow and the ice is all gone in the time. I've got the sandals, no spikes. <laughs> I've got well, this is interesting. One time on holiday, we went and we found that the swimming area was very slippy underfoot. So I bought these. It's got like a sucker stuff in the bottom, and it helps you when you're walking along the swimming pool. Well, you make you walk in the swimming pool, but it stops you from sliding. Really good. 
Preparation. I'm nearly finished. <laughs> and the days when you could work in your car, you could buy a Haynes manual and you could you could change your uh, cylinder head gasket by chance, like I did when I was on holiday one time up in Port Rocky when I managed to blow the cylinder head gasket. And nowadays, I wouldn't even touch a car before I just open up the bonnet and start digging around the engine. So there you are, Haynes manual. Now I've got the last thing I've got here. I bought this the other week at a second-hand bookshop in Cullen when I was on holiday. It's called the Victor Boy. It's a manual for boys, and it's dated 1975. I was telling Rudy, I said, you know what, Rudy? This book's older than your daddy, and it's older than Uncle Stephen. It's dated 1975. Now I googled it last night. I bought it for four quid. <laughs> it's worth 1999. <laughs> <laughs> Preparation is everything. <laughs> so these short shoes provide a solid standing against everything that would come against this Roman soldier. Everyone seeing him coming would identify him as being part of that Roman army. And if opposing a friend or an army that would seek to come against him, oftentimes his rank and qualifications would be carved into the shin guards. So if you wanted to test your skills against him, you better not go up against the sergeant major of swordsmanship, because it was likely that his skills and his rank was carved there for you to see. Or he could launch a spear before you got anywhere near him. In 1 Peter 2.9 it says, in contrast to the disobedient, the writer says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, I better take this off, a people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Isn't it wonderful to be identified eh, with the Lord Jesus Christ? Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You and I, we have a new identity this morning. And the old chorus says, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. In the Tyndale New Testament commentary, the writer suggests that the preparation was not just defensive, it was also to go on the offensive. We must go forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was part of their necessary equipment and therefore the word readiness is used or preparation in our text. At any moment, he was to be ready to take the good news of peace to others, flowing from a prepared foundation. No wonder Paul could say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That's Romans 1 and 16. Of course, this word power is where we get the word dynamite, for the gospel is God's dynamite for salvation. Tom quoted this in his prayer earlier. Yeah, Isaiah the prophet could say in Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful 
on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. I like how the message put this. It's actually in chapter 52, verse 1. It says, wake up, wake up, pull on your boots, Zion. I like that phrase. Pull on your boots, Riverview. Let's get going with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pull on your boots. Not only did the Roman uh, shoe represent identity, it also represented authority. Flavius Josephus, Andrew, if you ever want to learn that book, it's available from me. I've never been able to make any sense here. I'm intrigued to know if you could make any more sense here. A contemporary historian, sometime high-ranking officer in the Roman army, a commander of the rebels in the Jewish revolt, describes the Roman people as if they were born readily armed. You see, they had a reputation. The Romans had a reputation of authority. They professed that their father and the father of their founder was none other than Mars, a very important place. I'm sure Len's spoken about Mars Hill many a time. Their authority grew with their track record over many nations, such as the Greeks, the Gauls, the Carthage, the Macedonians, to mention a few. It said that nothing was left for Augustus to do except declare it an empire and defend it. A centurion was a commander over 80 legionaries or crack commandos as we would say today. In Matthew 8, 5 to 13, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. For I myself, he said, are a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. But the problem is that his authority didn't include the ability to heal the sick. But thank God Jesus is the one who is able to heal the sick. He has the authority to speak into our lives and to speak his word of healing and the miracle touch can take place. But for all that authority, the Roman centurion couldn't help. But Jesus is the answer. And it's wonderful that Jesus commended this man for his tremendous faith, didn't he? He'd never seen faith like this, faith like this at all, Israel. Jesus gives you and I all authority this morning. He says, Therefore, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. From memory, the evangelist Danny McVicker was once challenged over his use of the old King James Bible. The person said, why do you preach from the authorised version? And he said, because it's authorised. 
So why do we share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because we are authorized to do so. Remember some time ago we examined what this word authority was? And then in the Greek, that word that Jesus used is permission. Now in a world where we are being squeezed and pushed into a corner, we can say that we have been granted authority yeah. by the greatest authority that ever lived, yeah. the Lord Jesus himself. Friends, I've got permission to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Roman shoe represented identity, secondly authority, and finally destiny. The destiny of the Roman was ultimate victory. They tell me when they arrived in Britain, they were writing home to ask for two pairs of underpants and two pairs of socks. It was such a cold climate here in Britain. Goodness knows what they thought when they got up to Hadrian's Wall, which wasn't the end of but it was certainly cold there compared to what they were used to. The Roman triumph was a civil ceremony and a religious rite of ancient Rome. It was held to publicly celebrate and salute the success of a military commander who had led his forces in the service of the state. He rode in a four-horse chariot through the streets of Rome in unarmed procession with his army, his captives, and the spoils of his war. We celebrate one who is infinitely greater than any Roman general. In Revelation 5, 6, we read, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the centre of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and elders. They sang a new song, You're worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God. From every tribe and tongue, language, people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, wisdom, strength, honour and glory and praise. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise, honour, glory, power forever and forever. No wonder we sing, the head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. The Saviour knelt to wash our feet, now at his feet we bow. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Paul's destiny was clear. He said in Romans 1.15, I am ready to preach the gospel to you at that home. He was clear what his destiny was to be. He knew where he was to be and he was, he was keen to get there. As far as Paul was concerned, that destiny was set. His feet were clad with the readiness of the gospel. He was ready to preach the gospel at Rome. It said when he preached at Jerusalem, the religious centre of the world, he was mocked. It said that when he preached at Athens, the intellectual centre of the world, he was mocked. When he preached it at Rome, the legislative centre of the world, he was martyred. Yet, he was prepared, ready and willing to take this gospel. And when circumstances prevented this, well in chapter 1 verse 10 it says he prayed. And I pray that now at last by God's will, 
the way may be open for me to come to you. Paul longed to see them. He longed to serve them. He longed to encourage them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For you and I, it might, it might not be the case that all roads lead to Rome. I knew I was going to probably say that. But by God's grace, we pray like Paul that the way may be opened up more and more for us too to share the gospel of peace. Sometimes we need to pray, Lord, make me willing to be made willing. May God grant that we would have a longing, like Paul, to see and to serve and to encourage many and to come to a, for them to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. I like a good ending to a good story. And you know, Romans never disappoints, does it, the Book of Romans? There's a terrific verse at the end of the Book of Romans. And it's one of these things you could just gloss over it and throw it away and not really take it what it's saying. But in Romans 16, 20, it says this, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Amen. You know, maybe you and I think we're not really feeling that victory at the moment. Things are very much conspiring against us preaching the gospel. But I believe Paul you know, in Scotland we might say, oh by the way, you know sometimes we, we use a comment and go, oh by the way, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Yeah. The proclaimers would sing that song, didn't they? Now I'll walk 500 miles. Well, whatever it takes, friends, whatever it takes, whatever the cost, whatever God asks us to do, let's get those shoes on our feet and get out and share the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ. Now there's nothing like a good pair of shoes. You're really a leader.